Tonight, I want to just share a Thanksgiving message with you, and really Thanksgiving to me is is the cure uh, for worry, for those thorny times in life. And when we look back on the history of Thanksgiving, very often people just kind of jump to the Mayflower and to the Pilgrims, and though that's certainly a part of it, it really uh, did not begin there. It actually began in 1541 with Francisco Coronado. If you travel to San Diego, you'll see the island of Coronado, the Coronado Bay Bridge, named after uh, that explorer who in 1541 embarked uh, on the longest land journey during the, the time of exploration here in North America, some 1,500 miles, and the first Thanksgiving on American soil was actually celebrated in Palo Duro Canyon uh, in Texas. And so when you think uh, of Thanksgiving, it actually has been around for nearly 400 years. It's also uniquely American. It's only celebrated in this country. There are a lot of reasons for that. In 1564 in St. Augustine, Florida, the French Huguenots, as we uh, know from our American history, very uh, prominent in helping to win uh, the Revolutionary War. They celebrated a Thanksgiving celebration in Florida. Uh, In El Paso, Texas, Juan de Onate uh, did the same thing in in 1598. And, And as you look back through our history, we've had a history of thankfulness. And it's always been thankfulness to God. It's not been thankfulness to our government. It hasn't been thankfulness to ourselves. It's been thankfulness to God. In 1607 in Cape Henry, Virginia, uh, of course, the Jamestown settlers also uh, celebrated a Thanksgiving feast. But really it is that uh, very first Thanksgiving that we're aware of uh, that took place in 1623, where Governor William Bradford, and you have to remember the story there, uh, if you like such things in the history of our nation. It was a very fierce winter, it was a terrible winter, and the year before the crops were absolutely miserable, and if you know the story of Squanto and how uh, the Native American people who were here before the arrival of the, of the European colonists uh, helped them get through that winter. But by the time they actually got to celebrating the, the very first Thanksgiving uh, that was organized, wasn't just a, a band of people in a single place, but it was literally those who had decided this is going to be where we're going to live up to that time for uh, the better part of 70 years. People were coming and going and they'd be one place and then another. And now uh, we reach to the, to the pilgrims and, and they're in Plymouth. As he sat down at that table, very famous painting, uh, you, you'll see this hanging uh, in the Smithsonian now. And so as you, as you look at that wonderful painting, what you can't see is what was actually done. And to celebrate in the scripture there, Deuteronomy 8 verses 11 through 19, uh, reminds us that we should not forget the goodness of God. And on their plates, every single plate at that table were exactly five kernels of corn. They were thankful for five kernels of corn. And so as you think on Thanksgiving, uh, we've kind of come a long ways from five kernels of corn. Amen? I'm pretty sure 
that amongst us, if that's what, if you have five kernels of corn, come over to our house. We'll make sure that you have five cans of corn. You know, it, none of us are going to be looking at five kernels of corn. Most of us could afford to have many people join us at our Thanksgiving tables, and they would be well fed. You, you see, as we progressed from that time to the Revolutionary War, uh, Congress began to issue declarations, basically annually. But on November 1st of 1777, uh, the year after the Declaration of Independence is signed, the first congressional uh, actual what would be for the colonies themselves, that, that there would be a national uh, proclamation right after uh, the war and during the War of Independence. And so there's been a history here in America of us recognizing God's goodness. And can I say to you that it kind of bothers me what Thanksgiving's turned into. Have you ever seen a Thanksgiving commercial? I haven't seen a Thanksgiving commercial. Very, very little mention is made of Thanksgiving. Really, we just kind of go from Halloween to Christmas, don't we? You know, we, we, we have stopped being thankful. And can I tell you this? That I think it's one of the problems we have in America. That, amen. It's true. We, we've stopped recognizing a heart of gratitude to the God who's provided so richly for us. And I wonder sometimes if many of our problems, the ills, the things that rack our country are not directly attributable to Thanksgiving being nothing more than the day before a shopping day. And, and I, I hate it. Honestly, you won't, you won't find the Gill family at any stores on Friday. Uh, we just, it, it just drives me crazy. Finally, in 1863, President Abraham Lincoln made Thanksgiving the first truly national holiday celebrating Thanksgiving. He issued his proclamation, and over the next 75 years, each successive president would follow Lincoln's precedent and announce a national day of Thanksgiving. It was not uh, really until 1941 that Congress permanently established uh, the fourth Thursday of November is the actual national holiday. And so when you look at the history, it actually has been a long time coming. Now think about from the time that Francisco Coronado celebrated a Thanksgiving feast. Uh, it, it, it almost took the country nearly 300 years to figure out maybe we ought to thank God on a regular basis for what he's done. I want to just give you a little bit of a sense of what was going on when Lincoln gave that first Thanksgiving proclamation. When you think about it, when I think about it, it's kind of in abstract. But from Lincoln's position, it was at one of the most horrific times, one of the most thorny times, probably the most difficult time, and certainly as far as humankind is concerned, one of the most horrific times that's ever befallen any nation ever in the history of the world. Because when Lincoln gave that proclamation, it followed on the heels that year of a very famous battle you all know called the Battle of Gettysburg. July 1st to July 3rd of that year of 1863, 
some 45,000 men from both sides, both Confederate and federal troops, lost their lives in three days. Another 15,000 would die in the following two weeks from the injuries they sustained on the battlefield at Gettysburg, bringing the death total, really, to those three days of fighting to 60,000 men. That, friends, is more than the sum and the total of the entire Vietnam War in three days. Lincoln was crushed. He was devastated. He would make, of course, in November his famous Gettysburg Address, but before he would do that, he wrote this uh, to a friend. He said, when I left Springfield to assume the presidency, I asked the people to pray for me, but I was not a Christian. When I buried my son in the severest trial of my life, I was not a Christian. But when I went to Gettysburg and I saw the graves of thousands of our soldiers, it was then and there that I consecrated my life to Christ. You see, we as Americans celebrate Thanksgiving each year and sometimes we forget all the things that we're really thankful for because many of them have come at times of thorns. I've talked to an awful lot of people. Yes, to the pilgrims, we owe some very specific, wonderful things. Self-government, Mayflower Compact, was the first such document here on our soil. Hard work ethic. You talk about people who endured. We think we, you know, we have to wait in line for 10 minutes at Coles. We're going to die. Self-reliant communities. You know, we, we throw that word around a lot in our day and time. Community. I, I, we want to have community. Well, they knew what community was. As a matter of fact, community was everything. And if you weren't part of the community, you didn't live. So we owe that concept really to the pilgrims. But almost more important than anything else, and certainly to us as the church, it was a devout Christian faith, a faith in God that saw them through those times. But those times were difficult. You know the story of Jamestown, all of those early years of the founding of our nation were thorny, very thorny times. Probably many of you in this room are going through some kind of a thorny time, something difficult in your life. Something about which Maybe when you leave tonight, maybe as you celebrate tomorrow, perhaps the remainder of the week, maybe before the end of the year, uh, you too may be going through a time in your life that just seems like somehow it just doesn't fit with the rest of your existence. It's a time that you don't want. It's a time that, that you would have wished would have never come. I want to share a story with you. I'm going to ask actually that we dim the lights so everybody can kind of stay focused a little bit. The author of the story is unknown. I first read it perhaps 10 years or so ago. But it is a beautiful picture of what I'd like to communicate to you. And so if you'd bear with me as I read you a story. Sandra felt as low as the heels of her Birkenstock sandal when she pulled open the florist shop door. 
against that cold November gust of wind. And her life had been as sweet as a spring breeze. And then in the fourth month of her second pregnancy, a minor automobile accident had stolen her joy. It was Thanksgiving week, the time that she would have delivered her infant son. She grieved over the loss. Troubles had multiplied. Her husband's company had threatened to transfer his job to a new location. That day, her sister had even called to say that she couldn't come for their long-awaited holiday visit. And what's worse, Sandra's friend suggested that Sandra's grief was a God-given path to maturity that would allow her to empathize with others. Sandra began to mumble to himself, she has no idea what I'm feeling. Thanksgiving, what do I have to be thankful for? For a careless driver whose truck was hardly scratched that rear-ended my car? For an airbag that took the child's life that I was carrying? She pushed open the door. Good afternoon, can I help you? Sandra was startled by the approach of the shop clerk. I need an arrangement. For Thanksgiving? Do you want beautiful? Do you want ordinary? Would you like the challenge of the day? With a customer favorite, I call the Thanksgiving special. And Clerk said, I, I'm convinced that flowers actually tell stories. Are you looking for something that conveys the real meaning of Thanksgiving? Gratitude? Well, not exactly, Sandra blurted out, blurted out. In the last five months, everything that could go wrong has gone wrong. She regretted her outburst, but she was surprised when the clerk said, I have the perfect arrangement for you. And the bell on the door rang and the clerk greeted a new customer. Hi, Barbara. Let me get your order. She excused herself, walked back to the small workroom, and then quickly reappeared carrying an arrangement of greenery and bows and what appeared to be some long-stemmed thorny roses, except the flowers were neatly snipped away. There were no roses. Do you want these in a box? The clerk asked. Sandra watched for the customer's response. Was this a joke? Who would want rose stems with no flowers? She waited, actually, for laughter, but neither the woman or the clerk laughed. Yes, please, Barbara replied with an appreciative smile. And she began to say, you'd think after three years of getting the special, I wouldn't be so moved by its significance but I can feel it right here, pointing to her heart. You can feel it all over again as she tapped her chest. Sandra stammered. That lady just left with, uh, with flowers with no flowers. That's right, said the clerk. I cut off the flowers. That's the special. I call it the Thanksgiving Thorns Bouquet. She said, no, come on, are you telling me somebody's willing to pay for that? Well, Barbara came into the shop three years ago feeling much as you do. She thought she had very little to be thankful for. She had just lost her father to cancer. Family business was failing. Her son had gotten into drugs, and she herself was facing a major surgery. That same year, I had lost my husband, continued the clerk. For the first time in my life, I had to spend the holidays alone. 
had no children, had no husband, no family nearby, and too much debt to allow me to travel. So what did you do, said Sandra? I learned to be thankful for thorns. I've always thanked God for the good things in my life. Never questioned him why those good things happened to me. But when the bad stuff hit, I cried out, why, why me, God? And it took time for me to learn that those dark times are just as important to my faith as the good times. I've always enjoyed the flowers in my life. But it took the thorns to show me the beauty of God's comfort. She said, you notice a verse in the Bible, sir, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. God comforts those whom are afflicted. And from his consolation, we learn to comfort others. The air was almost sucked out of the room as Sandra took in her breath. She thought about what her friend had just tried to tell her. And she says, I get the truth is I really don't want comfort. I've lost a baby. I'm angry with God. And just then someone else walked into the shop. Hey, Phil. Clerk greeted the balding, rotund man. My wife sent me in to get the usual Thanksgiving arrangement, 12 thorny, long-stemmed stems. Phil kind of laughed. Clerk handed him his tissue-wrapped arrangement from the refrigerator. Are those for your wife, Sandra asked. Do you mind telling me why she wants a bouquet that looks like that? Oh, no, I'm glad you asked, Phil replies. Four years ago, my wife and I nearly divorced. After 40 years, we were really in a mess. By the Lord's grace and his guidance, we trudged through the problem, and then another problem, and another problem, and the Lord rescued our marriage. That's when Jenny here, the clerk, told me she kept a vase of rose stems to remind her of what she'd learned in the thorny times. That was good enough for me. So I took home some of those stems, and my wife decided to label each one for a specific problem that God had saved us from. And give him thanks for what it had taught us. As Phil paid the clerk, he turned to Sandra and said, I highly recommend the special, by the way. Sandra said, I don't know if I can be thankful for the thorns in my life. It's all too fresh. The clerk carefully replied, said, my experience has shown me that the thorns make the roses more precious. We treasure providential care. The more trouble we have, the more we see that care. Remember, it was a crown of thorns that Jesus wore so that we might know his love. So don't resent the thorns. Tears began to roll down her cheeks. For the first time since the accident, she loosened her grip on her resentment. She said, I'll take those 12 long stem thorns, please. Kind of choked it out. I hoped you'd would. The clerk said genuinely, I'll have them ready in a minute. He said, what do I owe you? Nothing. Nothing but a promise to allow God to heal your heart. The first year's arrangement's always on me. The clerk smiled and handed her a card. said, I'd like to attach this to your arrangement. Here's what it read. My God, I've never thanked you for my thorns. I've thanked you a thousand times for my roses, but never once for my thorns. Teach me the glory of the cross I bear. Teach me to value my thorns. Show me that somehow they've helped me climb closer to you 
along that path that I call pain. Show me that it is through my tears that the brilliance of a rainbow is even brighter. Amen. Praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him for the roses. But don't forget to thank him for the thorns. You never know what thorns can do in your life. I'm sure Lincoln grew through the thorns. I'm sure the settlers at Plymouth and Jamestown and all across this great nation as we grew into what we are today, understood thorns. Most of you can relate to some or all of what I just shared with you. Don't forsake those thorns. In all of those circumstances of life, we may not realize it, but as parents, we're passing on a history of thanksgiving to our kids you have an opportunity to share with that next generation that will follow us should the Lord tarry what it really means to be thankful in all things. Good times and the thorny times. And so as you gather around your tables tomorrow, remember there are people watching. There are people who don't know the Lord that you're going to meet that you're going to have an opportunity to show them the gratefulness that you have for what the God that created this universe has done for you, done for us. That Thanksgiving chair, you notice, just kind of appeared. And it's that place that each one of us should sit every single day as we see the simple things in life that matter the most. You know, Connie and I know what it's like to sit in a hospital room and wait for the doctors to come out and say, your son's gone. We hadn't, didn't have to actually hear those words, but we thought that's what we were going to hear. Can you thank God in those types of times? We need to be thankful. And in it, I'm going to give you a little recipe for Thanksgiving. And a remaining time, if you'd turn now to Matthew's Gospel, to the sixth chapter, we'll pick up in the 25th verse and the cure for worry. And if you can cure worry, you'll find that you have a lot more thankfulness in your heart. Father, thank you for this time tonight. Pray now that as we open your majestic word, your amazing word, your wonderful word, your word that is life, would you speak to us? Would you help us to not fret? Would you help us to not worry? God, would you help us to be grateful and thankful to look at all things? From the, from the eyes of heaven. We love you. Pray that you would now minister to us by the power of your word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Part of the Sermon on the Mount, a very familiar part. 
And therefore, Jesus says, I say to you, do not worry about your life. Notice that it begins, do not worry about your life. That's actually a statement. And so he begins in in this short couple of paragraphs to speak to us about the things that concern us the most deeply. You don't worry about your life, what you'll eat, what you'll drink. We could add in how much money you need, how many cars, where your house is, whether it's pay. You could, because these are the, at that time were the necessities of life. Basically, there wasn't a whole lot of worrying about houses. Very few people actually owned a house. But they were concerned about what they ate, what they drank. Or about your body, what you put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. I'd like to get a sign and put that over by the mall. (laughs) Life is more than your body. It's more than clothes. You're not going to die from lack of having the latest fashion. We're grateful for it. God's been so good to us. But it really isn't a life issue. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? (laughs) Which of you, by worrying, can add a cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of field and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. All of his fine purple fabric and gold and all the things that money could buy. Said to be the richest man in the world, if it was extrapolated out into our day and time, he'd still be the richest man in the world. Take Bill Gates' fortune, put it together with Warren Buffett's fortune, they'd still be underneath Solomon's fortune. And now if God clothes the grass of the field, which is today here and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Remember whose image it is that we're made in. It's his, isn't it? And yet he so clothes the lilies of the field, the grass that's there. And therefore do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, what shall we wear? For after all these things, the the Gentiles, and I I want you to understand something. When he says Gentiles, he, he says unbelievers. He's not just talking about people who are not Jewish. He was talking about people who were not his disciples. You see, people without the Lord, rightly, because it's all they know, worry about things all day long. But it should not be so for us who love the Lord Jesus. Amen? Amen. Think about it. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all things, 
but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, and notice that the things he's referring to are the things we need, not the things we want. And all these things shall be added unto you. And therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Jesus says, don't worry. Now, I don't want you to hate on me, but I like Disney movies. Stop judging me right now. I know, I know what you're doing. I watched Frozen. I liked it. I watched Tangled. I liked it, okay? You're judging me still. But one from 1994 that I really liked was The Lion King. And if you remember in that, great characters. I mean, who doesn't like a fat warthog? And, and Simba, you, you remember them. And Timon, you know, just this little meerkeet. I mean, if you don't like those characters, there's something wrong with you. But you remember the song, and, and they would wiggle and waddle as they're wandering across the, the scenes through the movie Hakuna Matata. Hakuna Matata. You know, they did that whole thing. <laughs> it's a wonderful song. You know, they, did, they, they just, and, and there was a sense of joy in it. Well, in Swahili, that means there are no worries here. There are no worries here. It's exactly what Jesus said. Jesus said, Hakuna Matata, don't worry. And he gave us a whole bunch of reasons uh, to not worry. And I want to look at some of them tonight. You see, you're probably thinking to yourself, well, Jeff, you're nuts. There's all kinds of things to worry about. I didn't say don't be concerned. And there's a difference between worry and concern. Concern is the right use of your mental faculties to consider various options in your life and try and decide how important they are and what you should do with them. Concern is very different than worry. Worry involves your emotions, and it puts that thing above the one who can do something about it. Worry, folks, is a lack of faith. It's a lack of faith in your life. It's a lack of faith in mine. And so we as Christians are supposed to live our lives by faith, amen? Not by sight, not by just looking at stuff, you know, because let's face it, I, we have two adult sons, young adult sons. One of them just got married. There's a lot of things to be concerned about in this life. You know, are they going to make it? They're both in ministry. Ministry, there are easier ways to make a living than ministry. So there are things to concern ourselves with, to think about, to help with. You know, and then you can top it off with, you know, little things like nuclear proliferation and wars and global financial crises and the rise of China, you know, stuff like that. And then the mother of all things to concern yourself with, you can no longer buy Hostess Twinkies. I was nearly crushed by this. I just want you to know that. So I'm a little offended that you're laughing about my plight right now. No, but you, you, when you think on those things, isn't that crazy how we lay hold of stuff and all of a sudden we begin to worry and fret and concern ourselves with 
I mean, seriously, is there a whole lot that any of us can do about nuclear proliferation? I'm pretty sure there's not much we can do about that. Should we be concerned and vote in people that will help? Of course, yeah, that's a concern. But sit around and lose sleep over it? Absolutely not. We're not to be worried. We're to be thankful. Be thankful that we live here. Be thankful you're not living on the edge of Syria and Turkey right now, where you have Russia and and Turkey fighting over whether they're going to blow each other out of the sky. The only thing you've got to worry about is some young person with a you know one of those drones flying over your yard trying to scare your dog and yet we worry we concern ourselves so deeply that it affects who we are and we begin to be unthankful you see worry produces a lack of vision for the thankfulness that we ought to have all of a sudden instead of being thankful to god you're unthankful You almost begin to blame God. Well, I don't have this, or I don't have that, or this is wrong, and that's wrong, and God, you know, why aren't you doing these things? All of a sudden, the thorns have the wrong place in your life. See, thorns can teach you things. And when you've had some thorny times, you're really thankful for the times that aren't quite so thorny, amen? You start, you start looking at life very differently when you've been through deep hurt, tragedy, pain. And God's been faithful in it. You may have not come out unscathed, but we're still here. But here Jesus tells us, actually, do not worry. And there's some really good reasons here uh, for us to not do that. You, sometimes you, you almost have to look at this passage and you go, did he really say that? I mean... You know, that was then. Well, remember what then was. Christians were about to enter the time of deepest persecution that the church has actually ever known. The Colosseum would be used as a place where Christians were brought, fed to lions, lit on fire. Nero would put put Christians wrapped in animal skins, dip them in tallow and light them on fire to torch his parties in his garden. I'm pretty sure you haven't had that happen recently. You see, we almost look in abstract instead of looking in reality. We have so much to be thankful for and so very little real reason to be worried. And even more so, very little reason for that worry to steal our joy and our thankfulness. First reason, and I love this, life is more than food and the body more than clothing. When you look at that, you almost say, well, duh. And yet, how many of us actually get all concerned? I was reading a couple of articles. Did you know that the average national cost of a wedding is now over $25,000? So if you have kids, there's reason to be concerned. Amen? Hopefully you have plenty of equity in your house. You probably don't have that in your bank account. Yeah, it's it's great. There's lots of reason to be concerned. But worry? I I watch say yes to the dress, just saying. (laughs) Secrets about Pastor Jeff. Connie makes me watch it. No, I sit down and you watch watch these, these ladies battle over it. You know, it's like, 
well, it's a little bit out of her budget. It's only, you know, it's twelve and a half thousand dollars. And you're like, you choke on it a little bit. Yeah, we, we get all concerned. Look, I, I shop at Sam's Club, okay? Just saying. Costco. I, it, it's like, it, who cares? And yet we're all freaked out. It's like, I got Michael Coors, you know, shoes or whatever. Got these on sale at Nordstrom's. They were like half off, half off, half off or whatever. (laughs) If you look up cheap, it has my name in there on the dictionary. (laughs) But we get all freaked out. We get worried about these kind of things. And we throw away stuff that most of the people in the rest of the world would love to have. How about we stop worrying about that kind of stuff? Stop messing around with God's provision in our lives. There's something greater than this material world that awaits all of us. And, of course, we don't ignore the dangers that exist in our world. But you know what? We are blessed. And we need to be thankful. We also know that there's a life beyond this one. Amen? How many Christians are unthankful because they're so focused on this life, forgetting what lies ahead in the life that's beyond this one? You know, that will produce thankfulness in you when you realize this is kind of like a stop along the way to heaven. Amen? This is not the end game here. You know, I love a good two-minute offense in football. I really do. I'm always amazed. And as much as I despise Tom Brady, just because he's always wins, I hate that. Somebody else needs to win. But I love the two-minute offense. And, you know, it's just like, I don't even know how they do that. It's like somehow finds a way, you know, to throw that, that, that final. We're in the two-minute offense right now, Okay. There's not much time left on the great game clock of eternity. And, and our, our, our quarterback has gotten calls from the bench, from God the Father, and, and he's running in a few plays. We're not going to be here a whole lot longer. And so the, the time that we spend here really should be kept in perspective. Instead of worrying about it, recognize that we can just look at this time and say, okay, Lord... This, this is a blip on the radar screen of life because eternal life is beyond this life. I did a memorial service a number of years ago and it was one of those pivotal times that we have sometimes as pastors where you engage in something that you know is going to be not good from the get-go. And this, this man who passed away was a friend, actually a former employee of mine and had just gone the wrong direction walked kind of away from the Lord and really got involved in in some very dangerous behavior, those dangerous behaviors, very specifically massive quantities of alcohol, took his life. And so as he, uh, we had his memorial service, I was invited to speak at this. And almost the entire place was filled with people that didn't know Jesus. And so as I was sharing the good news of the gospel, all of a sudden they bring in this vat of alcohol. I mean, it was literally like, 
and they stacked bottles of liquor all around. And then they made like pyramids out of shot glasses. And I'm sitting there thinking, this guy died from an alcohol drug overdose and you're going to do this here and now? And I finally had to say, I I can't stay and be a part of this. I I won't sully the name of the Lord with my presence in this place if this is what you're going to do. And as I walked out, people were cheering. They were literally cheering that the preacher was going to be gone. You see, they didn't realize there's a life after this one. And I'll guarantee you when they, when they wake up from that stupor, they're going to recognize that there's a life after this one. You see, for you, because you know the Lord, you love the Lord, you don't need to worry about what comes next because it's going to be awesome. Amen? Whether the world comes to an end by a nuclear war or you eat too much turkey tomorrow and expire. (laughs) Your home is heaven. Amen? You need to remember that. It's a reason to not be worried. Jesus gives us another reason not to worry. It's God's job to take care of us. Amen? It's... If you think you take care of you, you you need to reread what Scripture says. It's God's job. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's the provider. You may go to work and you may bring home a paycheck. All those things are true. But at the end of the day, if God ever takes his hands off of your life, you'll have nothing. He provides it all. Scripture is very clear that the, the earth and the fullness of it is the Lord's. All his. So he's the one that ultimately doles all those things out. And you're going to find when you're walking as he wants you to walk that you always have what you need. You may not have what you want, but you'll have what you need. It's his job to do that. Philippians chapter 4 verse 19 tells us that very specifically. And in fact, it says, my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. It's his job. He gives us some reasons to understand that. He says, first, look at the birds. You ever seen birds holding up sign that says, we'll work for food? <laughs> and I'm not mocking homelessness and signs. I'm just saying, you, know, you, don't, you just don't see that in the bird world. Ornithologists around the world would be stunned if they saw a whole flock of birds with signs. They, they just don't, they don't need to worry about it. And you look at, you know, we talk about climate change and global warming and all the things that are happening to our planet and all of the hundreds and hundreds of billions of birds that exist on the planet Earth. And yet, every last one of you, you they don't drop out of the sky every day because they're starving to death. God takes care of them. Are you not more than they? Aren't you more important than all of the sparrows? All of the swallows down at Capistrano. All of the condors in the Los Padres National... You know, I mean, we almost worship those birds. And yet God says, aren't you more valuable than they? Don't you think God's going to take care of you? His word says he will. 
Look at the flowers. I never realized that there were so many cosmetic surgery centers on the face of the earth until I actually started, you know, as I'm driving down PCH, I'm like, man, you can get a chemical peel over there and a lift of some kind over there and a tummy tuck and a, you know, facelift and, you know, I don't know why they do that. And we spend all this money And yet, as we, as we look around the world, <laughs> we all look the same when you're inside of a box, okay? Just a tent. And it's pretty useless at that point in time. And yet, we, we put all this effort and all this energy. Now, look, I'm all, you know, if you, you want to wear some makeup, wear some makeup. You know, the old saying goes, the barn needs paint and paint it. I see that hand. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> ain't the barn. No amount of paint will help this, okay? <laughs> but it, 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 we get so carried away and caught up in it. You want to know the secret? Stay married. Think about it for a second. You know, when you grow old together and gracefully grow old together and you take care of what God's given you, it's like this marvelous journey. You're, you kind of both sit there and you, you know, we, Connie and I talk about this like, yeah, someday we're going to have like twin rocking chairs on the porch kind of thing. I'm not even going to care. I'm just going to sit there, you know, just be thankful. God takes care of us. He only made these bodies to last 70, 80 years. That's it. That's what, it, that's what your Bible says, by the way. The number of the days of man is 70, 80 if by reason of strength. It's all it's supposed to last. These are, deci- these are recyclable. Turn right back into the dirt they're made out of. The point in all of this is God provides for all these things. So why worry, Hakuna Matata? You can go, it's like, yes, I'm going home one day. I'm not going to need this. I'm going to get a new one. Amen? It's going to be a massive upgrade, just saying, for all of us. Scripture is very clear. We, won't, we don't know what our new bodies are going to look like, but I, I'm kind of excited about the whole thing. Get to do a trade in and a trade up. The fourth thing, yeah, amen. Some of you are saying, yeah, hallelujah, praise you, Jesus. <laughs> and then finally, Jesus gives us the most, most practical reason in all of these things. There's four of them. And he says, who of you, by worrying, can live longer, be taller? Can you add to your days? Is somehow that going to lengthen your life? Now, I want you to understand something very, very carefully. Worry actually shortens your life. He's actually giving a, a medical reality here. Worry is one, of the, is one of the killers. Stress, in fact, is one of the leading causes of heart disease. Freaking out, worrying over everything. Just enjoy your bacon, have some coffee with it. You, you, you're worrying about all these things. I mean, we sit around and, you know, you're trying to find free-range chicken and, you know, anybody that can down kale juice, I, God bless you. 
but I'm pretty sure, ultimately, if the Lord doesn't give you length of days, you're not having length of days. You can worry all day long. You know what? Just paying for that stuff will kill you. So have one of those nice tofurkeys, the, you know, the tofu-shaped turkey thing. I'm just messing with you, but isn't it crazy how we worry about those kind of things? You know, we're we're talking about eating healthy, and and again, if you're eating, praise God if you're eating healthy. Recycle, please. We need less trash. I'm I'm all for all that stuff. But at the end of the day, you've met those people who are just so freaked out, you know, over over the craziness of all of that, and they actually end up dying young from the stress. Just like. I think there's GMO in this. (laughs) Who of you by worrying? And so, wrapping all of this up, it's it's our hearts that need to be adapted to to this non-worrying attitude, to this, this principle. There's a difference between worry and concern. And yeah, you need to make decisions about what's going on in your life. All those things are fine. It's no problem doing that. The problem is is sometimes we change our concerns into worries. And those worries become so overwhelming in our life that we think somehow we're going to change it by worrying about it. And not only do we not change it, the only thing we do is change our personality into that of a grump. You know, you wander around, weighted down. I would encourage you to be thankful. It's the answer. You look at what God's doing in our lives. Yes, there's always things that can change. There's always things that we could look at circumstantially and say, I wish that was this way. I I would pray that it's better. And and I'm not at all diminishing the difficulties of life here. I'm just saying you have a God who knows those things. He knows what you have need of before you do. And it's in God's nature to give good gifts to his kids. He's a good father. He is a good, good father. He loves to give good gifts to his kids. He's waiting for us to be thankful, be grateful, be motivated by the right motivations. And the right motivation is that we would understand who he is. That's what Thanksgiving's all about. When you understand who God is, you can't help but be thankful. You run around thankful all the time. And you'll be thankful for things like watching your kids have breakfast together. You'll be thankful for the simple things like dropping your kids off at school. Can I tell you, I actually miss that. I miss that. I miss being the team bus for my sons for their sports team. I miss that. They destroyed our car. We had to get rid of it because you couldn't extricate the burritos from the carpet. But yet there's a, there's a sense of wonder and joy in it. And we freak out and you know it's just you, we we lose focus. And we stop being thankful. You see, you can't get those times back. You get to live them once. Enjoy the journey. Be thankful for the the thorny things. 
that God brings us through. It's so amazing when you think back, when I think back on my life and all the crazy things that we would say are negative, that God's allowed into my life that have, that have brought all kinds of pain and anguish, they are some of the most deeply shaping times in my life. Connie would tell you the same thing. Yeah, we were in business. I look back on all the millions of dollars that we had, and God allowed it all to go. I look at it and just go, thank you, Jesus. Now, most people would be going, what? No, thank you, Jesus. Because I wouldn't be the person I am today unless he allowed that in my life. It's a thorny time. But you can be thankful for thorns. Difficulty. And so Jesus says as we close tonight, don't worry. Be happy. Amen? Amen. The world may be trying to tear itself apart. You, you may have, you know, you may get one of those turkeys from the Sahara tomorrow. You know what I'm saying. You, you slice into it with a knife and you realize you need the chainsaw from the garage. You, you may have, I don't know if you have the relatives who, who like possess the remote. And they're like... They're like the ones who determine whatever you watch and you want to watch the football game. They're just like, no, we're going to watch the Macy's Thanksgiving Parade for the 14th time. (laughs) There's only so much I can stand of a Snoopy balloon. But we have those things going on. Be thankful that you have family to sit with. Be thankful there's a remote to fight over. Be thankful you have a television set. Most of the world doesn't have them. Be thankful that television set most likely is a flat screen. Amen? You know what I'm saying. Some of us in this room can think back when they were black and white and about that big with rabbit ears on top. Four channels and none of them were any good. Except on Sunday night, wonderful world of Disney. That's why I like those movies. I was programmed from a youth. Uh, your, your pies may be frisbees, your stuffing may turn into a brick. At the end of the day, not one bit of it's actually going to affect your life. So don't worry. Be happy. Amen? Because God is good. Why don't you stand and let's pray. going to bring the worship team back up. God has been so good to us. Um, we have meals going out tomorrow to local law enforcement and fire departments and you know, just our Thanksgiving outreach with Hope Central and Watts. And, you know, we've got a new roof over our heads and God has been so good to us. And we need to thank him for being good to us and remember who he is. And he's a good, good God. Don't forget that as you're celebrating tomorrow. Make sure when you're gathered around that table with friends and family, uh, don't, don't let it go without taking some time to remind your family how good our God is. Amen? Let's pray.
Father, we thank you. Lord, I thank you for this amazing fellowship. Lord, for this church, for the foundation that has been laid. And as we just with gratefulness come to you tonight to say thank you. Would you pour out, Lord, upon us blessings that we cannot contain? Lord, we're going to ask you to do exceedingly and abundantly beyond all that we can ask or think. We pray that you'd give us abundance so that we'd have abundance to give. We thank you for your wonder. We thank you for your majesty. We thank you for your thorns that you allow into our lives. Or we thank you for that simple chair, God, that we can sit in and and realize we're blessed to even have jobs. We're blessed to have cars to take our kids to school. We're, we're, We're blessed, Lord, that you would do anything for us. And in that, you love us, Lord. And you, Jesus, came and died for us. And so, God, we are thankful. We love you. We praise you. We're grateful. Lord, give us hearts that expound upon that to all that want to know what's different about us this year. Lord, would we say we're just thankful that God loves us. We bless your holy name. We praise you and we ask these things in the mighty name of our Savior, Jesus. God's people all said, Amen. Amen.